No Bull, powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to nobull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. And welcome into the Monday edition of No Bull with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Chris Schubert, Sean Crespin here with you on a Monday. Great way to start the week. Sean, how was the weekend? I talked to you a little bit yesterday, but we didn't get into how your weekend was. How was the weekend overall? It was it was good, man. Had to pivot a little bit last night. Our, uh, our boy Kyle Dodd had what they call in the hockey industry a lower body injury. Uh, so he had to go to the emergency room, which means yours truly was a color analyst last night on the Sun Devil Radio Network again. So a little bit of a pivot. Devils got the win, 75-73 over Oregon State last night. And, um, yeah, so not a bad weekend. Not a bad weekend. Are, How you, about keeping you? Track, are you keeping track of your record in yes. games where you get called into action? Okay, yes. good. I want us to keep – because this is an us thing. I yes. know this is you, but I want to take some credit because we're a team here. I am so what is our record – Dude, unbelievable. Yeah. When that's, I was play, I play by play. I filled in for Tim Healy. I last second won that ball game. I've uh, filled in for Kyle Dodd, color analyst wise, in the Sun Devil Radio Network three times, two and one in those instances. So we're yeah. three and one overall in the uh, the fill in five percent winning percentage. Yeah. So that's we'll take that. We'll Put take me that. in, okay, coach. So great job out of you. Mm-hmm. Great job out of you there uh, in that game last <laughs> night. A nice Sun Devil victory. Uh, uh-huh. You're now three and one. Uh, weekend was good. Weekend was good. Um, you know, didn't do a whole lot. Uh, getting ready for baseball season here. So I'm, I'm getting ready to just be in front of my couch all day watching baseball games, as you know uh, that I like to do once baseball season starts. So kind of enjoying the nice weather. Went outside right. for a little bit. Yesterday. Let me ask you it's this. Nice. Yeah. Let me ask you this yes, because. Sir. I am the guy that sits with NFL Network on during the NFL preseason and watches mm-hmm. the reruns yeah, yeah. of the preseason football games yeah. for no reason. Do mm-hmm. you do that with spring training baseball? So spring training baseball will be on in the background. It's like filler noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't put a lot of stock into into spring training baseball. No, but like, it just you just have to have it on. Fourth inning rolls around. There's guys that they've never heard of playing in the baseball game. But yes, right. it is on in the background. And then during the season, I'll have quick pitch from MLB Network on. Uh, on repeat because they'll play the episode like four or five times and they'll just go through the highlights of each and every game that'll be on all day until baseball games actually start up so yeah so that i am the way you are with the nfl network is the way i am uh, with the mlb network that being said a lot of stuff to get into here on the program today let's tell everybody what is in the lead this is the one they're talking about now sean you're three and one as the fill-in for the Sun Devil Radio Network, but it is not as impressive as what the Phoenix Suns are doing. Six in a row for the Phoenix Suns as they beat the Orlando Magic last night in pretty convincing fashion, ran away with this basketball game. And now, Sean, if you look at the schedule, you take a little peek, they get to welcome the Brooklyn Nets into town. So it should be a lot of fun. But the Phoenix Suns, six in a row, 17-9 on the season. And there is some, we're going to get into this a little bit later on in the show, but the national spotlight is starting to shine bright here on this basketball team. And rightfully so, right? I mean, the way they're playing basketball right now, and they're kind of beating up on the who's who of the Eastern Conference on the seven-game homestand. You know, another 27 from Booker last night, 21 from Mikel Bridges. Just another solid performance overall. Crowder gives you 12 off the bench. You know, it was it was another nice night for the Suns. DA only getting 10 and 13. I know Suns fans will probably have fun with that, but just forget all that noise for a moment and just look at a basketball team that's playing well. Getting another win, again, against a team you feel you should beat and you took care of business. Those are the important ones. Get the wins against the teams you should beat, and the Suns have done that Mm -hmm. lately. 
And now they have a big one coming up against Brooklyn. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the program. Sean, some college football news. UCF has their man reportedly. They are finalizing a deal with Gus Malzahn to become the new head coach. So the former Auburn man going to go down uh, a little bit further south to, to Central Florida, and he's going to be the head coach. Uh, Josh Heupel, he left to go coach Tennessee, and now UCF replaces him with Gus Malzahn. Bit of an interesting hire. Uh, I, you know, this UCF job, highly attractive in the college football landscape considering what they had done over the last couple of years. I think outside of the of the Power Five, right? Uh, this is one of the marquee spots, landing spots if you're a coach. So Gus Malzahn uh, gets fired from Auburn, going to land at UCF. Is it that great of a job? Because you're taking a job with expectations that are a little bit high and out of control for who well, they are. Well, it depends. What do you mean? What do you mean by expectations? Because I don't think anybody at UCF expects to win a national championship because they'll no. just cry foul, right? Because right. they'll be like, "Oh, we're getting screwed. We're not even invited to the dance." Like, um, Josh Heupel didn't live up to Scott Frost's expectations, right? It's kind of why UCF, I think, maybe ha have made an upgraded coach here because Heupel didn't live up to Scott Frost. Scott Frost went to Nebraska. He left UCF to go to a Power Five job. How's that working out for Scott Frost in Nebraska? Not going too well, right? So UCF, I think, has 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 reach this this tier of college football job it's never going to be viewed at, at, as one of the the, the the big jobs right but i think outside of the of the power five conferences this is a job that i think a lot of coaches want it is a huge stepping stone because if you can go from from a, a mid-major to a ucf type and you do well at ucf your name is going to be on a short list anytime a big power five job opens up or it could be a great bounce back spot for for a coach like gus malzone who gets you know sent away from from auburn he can go to UCF. He's got a pretty good roster there. He's going to be able to compete. And then maybe in two, three years, his name comes up in the, in, a, in the coaching cycle for another one of these jobs is the way that I look at it. So is it is it a marquee job in terms of Power 5, a, a dream job for a lot of coaches? No, probably not. But I think it's reached a tier where you want to be on the shortlist for that job if you are an up-and-coming coach in the college football ranks. It is. But it's, I mean, understand... Who you are? Expectations are going to be to win a lot of football games, and, and they, you know, it's they do have not a everybody national championship. They so. do, they do. So we'll see. That's right. Uh, we don't do a lot of racing talk on this program, Sean, but I felt it was worthy to mention what occurred last night in the longest race of all time, the Daytona 500, in which Arizona's own Michael McDowell wins the race. Fiery crash to end the just craziness around the Daytona 500, but a, a local tie-in here as uh, Michael McDowell survives the craziness of the end of that race and he wins the Daytona 500. Yeah, he kind of lucked out right when the two got up into the 22 and it just spun out. Bam, takes out the entire field. McDowell's the only one still living and you know slides through and ends up taking the uh, the checkered flag there. Good dude too. I don't know if you were if you were working with Bauer and I at the time uh, doing the morning show at the radio station we were doing our show at. Uh, but what he, you know, he used to come in a handful of times. Just a great guy. And then, that, was, that was before me. Was it? Yeah. So it would probably yeah. when when Drew was there because you are the new Drew. But when Michael McDowell he used to come in Drew. a handful of times and be a part of the show. And then we hung out with him when we were out there in Daytona for a little bit. Good dude. Just a great guy. Can't be happier for him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, sometimes things break your way. That's exactly what happened. That crash was. It looked crazy. You know, especially at night because you got the fire and the flames flying all over the place and. Uh, that's Daytona, especially when you get in the final few laps, you're going to be pushing. And uh, luckily for McDowell, he got himself uh, he got himself a checkered flag at Daytona, just kind of surviving down the stretch. But what was it about midnight Daytona time when that race yeah, finished? It, it, yeah, it was a very long day. It was about ten uh, o'clock our got, time. Yeah, yeah, it was a very long day there uh, for everybody involved with the Daytona 500. But a local tie-in. So it's congratulations. A, it's a bucket list, even for 
casual race fans. Like I grew up in a family of gearheads, right? I'm the only one who didn't work on cars for a living, either for the my entire career or for a part of it. I'm the only ones. I'm kind of the black mm-hmm. sheep of the family in that respect. So I grew up in a gearhead family uh, who watches a lot of uh, NASCAR and, and motorsports. I'm casual motorsports guy, but like I said, uh, two years ago I had the opportunity to get out to Daytona. There's there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It is a just an amazing week. The the track is sensational. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's it. There's nothing like it. Daytona is Daytona, and congratulations to the local local product McDowell getting the win, man. I'm looking at the the, the replay right now. The grin on his face when they put the camera in front of him as soon as he got out of the car is <laughs> you can't beat it. So happy for Michael McDowell. I will tell you this, as somebody who who is over the last year plus really gotten into motorsports, you know, Sean, how much of a big fan of Formula You're One. You're an open I wheel am. guy. That, yeah. That is that is the, the racing that I like. You're right. Daytona 500 has always been on the sports bucket list for me just because I think it's an experience. You have to take in the atmosphere. You have to take in everything that goes on. Indy 500 the same way, right? Those are the two big ones that, that I look at in terms of uh, events you want to be at. So, yeah, agreed 100%. That's going to do it for us here on In the Lead portion of the program. Coming up next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone, the Cardinals offseason seems to be narrowing down to focus on one position, a position that needs a lot of help. We'll get into it next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. So I'm over at NoBull.com right now, 7,103. That's how many vehicles you can check out right there at your fingertips at NoBull.com. Over 5,900 new vehicles, over 1,100 used and certified pre-owned vehicles. There are 17 brands, 21 locations, all in one spot for you to browse. NoBull.com with the NoBull Express option that we've been telling you about for so many months now. Hop over to NoBull.com. Find a vehicle you like. Let them bring it to your house, your front door. You can test drive it. You can fill out your financial application right there. They're going to bring the vehicle right to your house, ready to go when the purchase is over as well. The Noble Express option, noble.com. You can't beat it from the from your own home. The Earnhardt difference of world-class service and prices that can't be beat right there online. No bull since 1951. Earnhardt Auto Centers is a name you know you can trust. Earnhardt Auto Centers and noble.com. That ain't no bull. Sean, I need some advice. Really, what do you got, dude? I got you. This Cardinals-related topic. I ordered something on Amazon yesterday. It's getting mm-hmm. delivered later today. Me too. You know, you know what my setup looks like here at the house, my, my studio that I do all of, all of my work in. Desk's a little cluttered. I got the mixer over here. I got a bunch of monitors. I now have a new yeah, ring a light bit. behind. So I made, I made, um, I made a purchase yesterday. Which I bought button? one of those monitor mount things that will clip to the back of the desk, and then you mount the monitors to the to the mount so now that they're up off the desk so now i have more desk space right the monitors will you know in in some regard be floating above the desk i'm concerned i'm going to break one of the monitors while i do this you will is these are very expensive monitors i'm I'm just concerned that i'm going to break something so any advice i've never done i've never done a task like this before uh no just take your time okay but you you probably will i'm i'm guessing yeah so, so you're just gonna await the text message later. Where I said, "Yep, Sean, you're you are absolutely correct. I can <laughs> break something." Yeah, but something it's I mean, it's broken. not hard. You screw it onto the brackets. You put the brackets on your desk, sure. dude. Just take your time. I, I've been mounting TV. Be I've been a man, TVs Schubert. Let's go. For the last go. five years, moving apartments, I, I I do it wrong every time. So I just this is a smaller scale, but I'm still a little bit concerned. So I'll keep you updated. Uh, maybe I'll post a a, a tweet uh, when it's all done to add Shoe Radio on Twitter and make sure I didn't didn't break anything. Okay. That being said, appreciate the the lack of advice there, Sean. Let's get into the Arizona Cardinals and once again uh, the conversation turns to with the, with the season over and the focus being on the offseason we are a month and two days away if my math is correct uh from the start of the league year 
uh, for uh, the NFL, meaning free agency frenzy. We can get all of these trades officially done. Guys can go to their new teams, and and the craziness pre-draft can begin. And, and Sean, in in doing prep for the show, and and you know constantly keeping up with everything that go, that's going on, because there's just a lot, right? I mean, Albert Breer had a Monday morning quarterback story today that was talking about Sam Darnold and Trevor Lawrence pro day, and there's just a lot of stuff going on in the National Football League right now. So I'm reading up on the Cardinals, doing doing my you know due diligence to see if there's anything that could be coming through the pipeline for the Cardinals, and it feels like every story I read discusses the Cardinals needing to focus on one position and one position only, and that is the cornerback room. And I'll just give you two examples of stories I saw today that led me in that direction. First, there was a story on ESPN.com talking about 32 players that could that could use a change of scenery, right? So one player from each team that's on the roster right now that could probably, you know, just it'd be better off if the two sides just move on. And for, for the Cardinals, it was cornerback Robert Alford, who, as everybody knows, came here, signed this deal, and injuries has really plagued his run here in Arizona completely. So compare compare that with the story we talked about on Noble Live on Sundays, which if you don't check out on our Facebook page, um, the Noble Podcast Facebook page, you want to check that out every Sunday. We go through some of the biggest stories in sports over the weekend. We talked about how a bold prediction for the Cardinals was not re-signing Patrick Peterson. So that's two corners that that are going uh, you know going bye bye. Then I read a story on Pro Football Focus this morning that was talking about the best case and worst case scenarios for all 32 teams when it comes to free agency in the offseason. Sean, do you want to take a guess as to what direction that story went in? The quarterback. No, it was talking about more corners. <laughs> the best case scenario was Patrick Sertain the second falling to them at 16, and the worst case scenario was the Cardinals were left without anybody to play the corner position, and they're at a point in the draft where they're picking that nobody falls to them. So it's quarterback, 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 and Sean, it just seems like everybody's laser-focused on what this team needs to do with this position that that feels like the momentum is going in that direction. To that's the only thing the Cardinals are going to be able to do this offseason because it's so 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 big of a problem. Which is why I think it puts a little pressure on you to find a way to negotiate with Patrick Peterson. And I know Arizona Cardinal fans don't want to hear that, and I still, by gut, tells me he won't be an Arizona Cardinal next year. But there's some pressure to try to make it work, right? He's probably better for next year than really any other alternative that's out there for you. I mean, you're not going to get a first-round pick who's going to come in and perform like Patrick Peterson. You're just not going to even even 2020 Patrick Peterson. That's you're just it's not going to happen. Um, the 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 ballpark you're going to be playing in in the free agent market. If you can't re-sign Patrick Peterson due to financial issues, what, what who do you think you're bringing in free agently that's going to it's going to, you know, fix that? So there's some pressure there, I think, to negotiate with Patrick Peterson and find a way to make it work. Now, again, my gut tells me you're not going to be able to, but I think there's some pressure there. You know, we had the conversation, who's a bigger free agent piece to make to, to bring back next year, Hassan Reddick or Patrick Peterson? And we both, you know, somewhat lean towards Hassan Reddick, but because of the makeup of this football team, it like might be Patrick Peterson. I mean, really, because you, you have pass rushers, right? Chandler Jones is coming back next year. Um, so you've got somebody that can come off the edge and, re- and, and wreck havoc uh, with the best of them. You don't have anybody at the cornerback position that I think you feel comfortable with being a number one. I mean, Byron Murphy? I mean, Drake Kirkpatrick is even a, is, is even a free agent right now. 
Right. You know, so, I mean, you, right now, that's really what your room looks like. Byron Murphy Jr., um, Kevin Peterson. What do you what are you bringing back at that position? So if we're going to talk about which position is more important for the Cardinals to, to figure out, which free agent of their own to re-sign and extend, is it Patrick Peterson or is it is it Hassan Reddick? Man, it's... I kind of feel like in the long run, it's 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 Hassan Reddick. But for the short term, I don't know what you do with that position if you're not able to renegotiate with Patrick Peterson. And, and I think to a larger point, Sean, it goes beyond just bringing back Patrick Peterson, right? Because even even if they did re-sign Patrick Peterson, we talked about this yesterday, there's more to be done in that room. It needs a complete overhaul. It needs a complete revamp. And that's why the worst case scenario needs according depth. to this... It needs depth because right, you, right, but it bring, needs multiple. It needs multiple signings. This, this yeah. isn't just plug and play. One no. guy, we're done, right? But because I'll tell you this, I'll read you the best case scenario from the the the, the PFF story. Patrick Sertain the second falls to Arizona at the 16th overall pick, and they work to patch up the secondary in free agency with a low budget pickup like Garyon Conley. So even the best case scenario, and this is just one place. It's just pro football focus is a multifaceted approach to the corner position. It's not just one draft pick or one signing and we're done. It's a combo. And I think when we look at the Hassan Reddick portion, Sean, you and I both feel you sign Hassan Reddick, you don't really need to address any more pass rushing help. You got Chandler Jones, you have Hassan Reddick. You always want to improve depth, but you don't need a big signing. Where with corner, even, at your, even after Patrick Peterson, I know I feel this way. I don't know if you do. There needs to be another signing. Well, or no, you two gotta, you of guys have, that are going to contribute. You need to have depth at the position, yeah. right? But Drake Kirk, depth. bring I back Drake Kirkpatrick. Yeah, if you can bring back Drake Drake Kirkpatrick. You know, if you if you're able to re-sign Patrick Peterson, you're then then you're you're ba- and and you know I think Drake Kirkpatrick only made a little over a million last year, if I remember correctly, on over the cap. Um, if you're able to bring both those guys back, you're not in a terrible spot. You know what I mean? Like you can, you're not in a terrible spot, and then you can still draft at the position and be okay. But I think, I think you do need to find a way to negotiate with Patrick Peterson. If it's not there, and if it's not in the cards, no pun intended, then it's not in the cards. But um, I think you do. That position right now is just so bare. It's the glaring hole. It's the huge hole on this roster. But so, it's I not mean, the only hole, and I think that's the no, problem. Where, but okay, there's but but there's so much laser point, focus point on to, this position. Point to another hole. Point to another hole that's as glaring as the as the cornerback. I mean, position. they need a number two. They need a number two wide receiver. But that's nowhere near as glaring as as that, that's similar to the pass so rushing situation we're talking run, about. You think they can run it back with the current wide receiver core and be fine on offense? No, they need to I add to. I don't feel that. But way. it's not even close to the situation with with the in the secondary. It's sim. It's more. It's more comparison to or more comparable, I should say, to the defensive line. What we were just talking about. You have somebody that can get after the passer in in, in Chandler Jones. You could probably use some depth along the position, but you have somebody. You can say the same thing about the wide receiver room. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, you know if if Kirk can stay on the damn field, you know you got you, you need to add to it, but it's not bare. The cornerback room, as we said right now, is completely bare. Like I don't point to this roster and see in any hole that's as large as that one anywhere. I think we're letting DeAndre Hopkins cloud our judgment on that room. I, I really do. I think that room does need some help. Then you can say the same thing about the defensive front. Well, you know, listen. I on the podcast a week ago was talking about how the lines need to be better based on what occurred in the Super Bowl. So you're not gonna, you don't, you don't need to convince me of that. This team needs help in a lot of different areas. But I think because we're so laser focused on what is, and I agree with you, Sean, the most glaring need on this football team, it might put the Cardinals in a position where 
They don't address other things because they're just behind the eight ball because they're just so laser focused on fixing this corner room, which needs to be fixed, that maybe some options for that number two wide receiver spot or some depth pieces for both lines kind of slip away because they sign elsewhere because the Cardinals are so focused on trying to make selections you know to fix their corner spots so this is why when i said late they're, they're focusing in on one position it might come at the the expense of addressing other needs because sean you you agree this team has more than just one need they don't just need a corner they're not just a corner away or fixing the corner room away from being a super bowl team being a, a perennial playoff favorite they got a lot of stuff they have to address but it just seems like everything momentum wise is focused on corner 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 i saw a story today about you know talking about the saints players that the cardinals could target if the saints cut or trade somebody you know who's number one on the list marshawn Lattimore. you just you, you can't run from these corner stories you just can't they everywhere you turn it is arizona cardinals and cornerbacks like, that's the pairing. That is the pairing that we're making this offseason. And it needs to be. It needs to be. But there's many different roads you can go to fix those holes, to solve that puzzle. That puzzle. I think negotiating with Patrick Peterson, if it's there, you, you take it. I know okay, Arizona, you, there's a lot of Arizona Cardinal fans that Patrick don't want to hear that. He's not going to play next year. You don't think Patrick Peterson is going to play I, here next I year? Think that, I think he's going to want a number too high. And I think his market's going to so be too high. So then what do you do? I think, it's gonna, I think it's, the market is going to price. They're going to let him hit the market. They'll negotiate with him, but they're going to let him hit the market. I think the market's going to price him out of where the Arizona Cardinals want to be. Where do you where are you comfortable with Patrick Peterson in terms of paying him? 10, 11. That's too, even that's even that to me is high. Because if you go look yeah, at the then, highest then, then, pay, then he's definitely gone. <laughs> I don't think I don't know if he gets that number. I really don't. I would I if I remember right, there's only two corners that are paid in that in that uh, ballpark in the NFL right now. Uh, one of them is named. Um, I guess maybe there's maybe there's a handful more. There's a handful more. I was looking in terms. I was looking. Yeah, I was looking in terms of the of the um, free agents that were out there and what they had made last year. Ten um, per year puts him in the Kendall Fuller, Desmond you. Trufant, Bradley Roby, Joe Hayden, Casey Hayward tier. He's not Jalen Ramsey, twenty million a year. He's not Marlon no. Humphrey, nineteen and a half. He's not Tre'Davious White, nope. seven, seventeen Darius plus. Slay, nope. Darius Slay at sixteen point six. The the two Miami corners who are both fifteen plus. He was fourteen last year, right? That well, his average per year breaks out to about. 14. So yeah, he's probably going to be. Is he going to get more than that? No, I think he gets a little bit less than that. I think he's. I think he's. You're right. I think he's probably around. You know, for instance, where Richard Sherman is at, or was at, making nine plus. He'll probably be about ten. I think your number's about right. I, and if you're the Arizona Cardinals, I just don't know if you can go there. You, you might can have you go to. there? That's the rub. They might have to. They might. They might have to push all of the chips in the middle on 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 that play. And then the draft pick at sixteen isn't a corner; it's another position. I mean, that's a scenario we we, we would have to play out. But because you, and, and this is, I think, where Steve Kimes really going to have to take in both the free agency and the draft boards, and at the and and really kind of process them at the same time because. Uh, they could go a different direction in free agency. They could let Patrick go and say, no matter what, at 16, we're taking whatever corners available on the board because one of them will be there. It's a dangerous uh, game more to than play. Likely. It's a dangerous game to play, but guess what? This is the situation that the Cardinals find themselves in. It's going to be a dangerous game regardless. They can do that, and then at 16, take who's ever available, right? If a Patrick Sertan the second falls to them, I don't see that happening. I don't see a Caleb Farley falling to them. I, I don't see those two players falling to them. Or they could take... Um, they could, you know, sign Patrick Peterson in free agency, sign some depth pieces like we're talking about, and then address wide receiver with number 16 or address one of their other needs with, with a pick at 16. 16, to me, Sean, feels like it's not going to be best player available. It's going to be a need-based pick. 
right? We, we, we try to compare and contrast what, what a team should do with their draft, best player available versus need. The Cardinals, with the way that their their, their free agency is going to be set up and the way their offseason is going to be set up, 16 is going to be a need-based decision 100%. I'd agree with that, which is, again, it's not great. That's not, I mean, dangerous game to be playing. Hopefully things break your way. Maybe you can, maybe you do move up. You know, maybe find a way to move up to get the guy, make sure you get the guy you want. Um, but no, you're not wrong. It's it. That's, that's where we're headed. I think the, the, uh, if you look at the national media, they, they, you know, if this is something you and I've been talking about for a while, that, that cornerback room seems like all the momentum's headed there. So more than likely that's where they're going, but you negotiate with Patrick Peterson. You don't just cut your losses and let them go. Hey, go hit the market. Have fun. It's been great. You negotiate, you try to bring them back because that's, the easiest road to being able to address that that particular uh, position, in my opinion. So um, just just know that if you're looking at Arizona Cardinal story this offseason, they're more than likely going to have to do with the cornerback position, just because in <laughs> a few short days that I've been. Hey, you know what though? We only have about a month. Thank God, we only have about a month. Right. I until get, we I get more think pieces about six corners that the Cardinals should try to target this offseason. Until we get to the uh, the new league year, we got it. We had about a month before we get to the new league year, well, then, and, and then free and, agency and, and, starts. And oh, plus we have that temp that uh, legal tampering period shortly before, a few days before. Sure, yeah, so well, we got about a month left, Schubert. Yeah, and then all hell yeah. breaks loose well, and, for a few weeks. And again, I, I still think as this quarterback market begins to thaw a little bit, and some of these guys get moved, I think you start to see more free flowing conversations between teams because there are a lot of teams, a lot of teams with all of their eyes—not the Cardinals, but a lot of teams with their eyes focused on what the quarterback market's going to look like this offseason, both draft and free agency. So I think when once that starts to thaw itself out, and some of these moves get to be made, it might be easier for Steve come to pick up the phone and make a trade if he needs to, or or call an agent and make a signing. So I think as that process plays out, the Cardinals uh, can can start to get a better picture of what this all looks like. Coming up next, we will wrap up this edition of Noble with Chris Cressman and Simone. The Phoenix Suns continue to be on the rise, and the rest of the NBA world is taking notice. We'll get into it next here on Noble with Chris. Crespin and Simone. But first, I have to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. And Manscaped just released their brand new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over at all times. You've heard me talk about it before the new refined signature scent. Uh, Manscaped, trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, join the movement for all of your below the waist grooming needs. We've talked about the perfect package 3.0 here on the program. I mentioned it all throughout Valentine's Day, but now they got the Manscaped refined cologne that will complete your set and smell great anywhere. And anytime. It's got the same signature scent that is in all of Manscaped's formulas. This cologne, the perfect complement to the collection. Light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all of the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. You can head over to manscaped.com, check out all of the products the Perfect Package 3.0, the Lawnmower 3.0, and the brand new Refined Cologne. And when you check out, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping if you use the promo code NOBULL. So head over to manscaped.com, check out all of the products that they have. And when you check out and you join, the over 2 million men worldwide currently using Manscaped products. Use the promo code NOBOL and you will get 20% off and free shipping. Your balls and body will thank you. Well, NBA talk here to close out the program, Sean. Found a good list, a good rank them. Oh, I love a good old rank them. Let's do it. ESPN put out their latest edition of the NBA Power Rankings. Utah Jazz number one in the Power Rankings. Los Angeles Lakers, number two in the power rankings. Mm-hmm. L.A. Clippers, number three in the power rankings. I follow. Philadelphia 76ers, number four in the power rankings. All right. Phoenix Suns, number five in the NBA power rankings. They move up from seven in the last edition of these rankings. They move up two spots. 
ESPN, Sean, says the Phoenix Suns right now are a top five team in the NBA. What say you? My my initial reaction when you read this to me in our pre-show meeting was, stop it. I think it's the exact, stop it. But then you start to think how they've played over the course of the last few weeks. Since January 28th, the Phoenix Suns have lost one ball game. You know, they're, last they're, they're nine and one. They're nine and one in their last ten ball games. You know, so it's it's hard to argue that fact. And it's not like they're beating up on, you know, the bottom dwellers of the conferences here. They I mean their last this seven game homestand that they're about to wrap up tomorrow night against the Brooklyn Nets included the Boston Celtics, the 76ers, who they have one spot ahead of them, the Milwaukee Bucks, and then the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night. We'll see how that plays out. But it's hard to They're argue that. that basketball game. Right. My initial reaction was, stop it. Suns is a top five team. But when you start to look at the last mm-hmm. 10 ball games that they've played, That's I mean, right. they won back-to-back games against the Mavs. They had the one blemish against the Pelicans where they just didn't show up. But this is a team that's been playing really good basketball. It's a it's a well. I told you this earlier in the year when we talked about the differences between last year and this year. It's just a well constructed basketball team, right? Like the the depth, guys you can count, and you're getting great production out of some of your role players when needed. Again, last night, you know, Bridges drops twenty for you. Um, you know, he's been sensational. We talked about that a handful of times. It's just a well constructed basketball team right now, and it's getting healthy. Dario Saric back playing again, you know, for only 15 minutes last night, but just having more depth uh, to to at your disposal if you're Monty Williams. So this is a this is a decent basketball team. Top five sounds crazy, but Schubert, let's look at the teams that are behind them right now. Find the one that should leapfrog them. All right. So oh, we're playing a little play a little better, better there, better, better, yeah, better or not better here. All right. Right behind them, number six on the rankings, the Milwaukee Bucks. Who they beat head to head last week? I don't know. I don't know. Head to head is the necessary tiebreaker it's that we should use. Not here. in a seventy-two game season, no. But um, yeah, maybe they should. Maybe I mean, I'll buy, if somebody wanted to make the argument that the Bucks should be ahead of the Phoenix Suns, I'd buy it. But because you know, maybe Brooklyn- re- maybe recency bias because you know you just beat them, you know, you put the Suns ahead of them. But okay, the the Brooklyn Nets are seven. At full strength, yeah, they're better than the Phoenix. Anytime you can roll out those those three. On any night, yeah, they're better than the Phoenix Suns. Okay, so now we have the Suns down to seven. All right, so where where what else we got, Schubert? Denver Nuggets. No, not right now. Not right now. Listen, we did this the other not day right when we now. did tears, and I said the Denver Nuggets were the team that would concern me the most if I was the Phoenix Suns to replacing them at the top of the second tier. Mm-hmm. Denver's playing good bad, but beat the Lakers last night. I know. Played pretty well. Not not right now. Just not yet. Not yet. So gotta, seven I, I, is where we're settling. The you know, larger sample size. I think seven's where we're settling. What else do we got behind Portland the Portland and San Antonio are no. around out the top ten. No, they're about the equals. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I mean, you could make cases for all those teams. But right, listen, the way the Suns, like I said, the last 10, 10 ball games, we're doing power rankings. If this is a fluid power rankings, right, we can move it how we need it, it each is week. Very fluid, yes. Then, then yeah, right now Phoenix Suns at five is fine. I, I Bucks and Nets, okay. Let's see what happens tomorrow night. So if again, you no KD, season- but let's see what happens tomorrow night. So, so the way that this is obviously done, it's, it's a week-to-week kind of prognostication of how the team is playing. They were seven last week. They moved up to five. They had a really good week. They beat the 76ers in the Bucks, right? So they finished strong. They've won a six in a row. By the way, that is the the second longest such streak in the past 10 seasons, oh, only behind the 8-0 and bubble performance from last oh, year. That's so show brutal. You, but, but that's to show you how well this team is playing and how this is not the way that this team has played over the last 10 seasons. If we were doing a season-long rankings, think about that, Sean. If we were doing a season-long encapsulation of how all the teams have played all year, you only move the Suns back 
two spots. Yes. You put them as the seventh best team in the NBA. Before the season, if I said, Sean, on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, the Phoenix Suns were going to be the seventh best team in the NBA, I think you would have laughed at me. I definitely would have. You would have be- laughed. Because I was, we were trying to find a way to make them creep in as the seventh best team in the Western Conference just to make them a playoff team at the start of the year, if you remember right. We were talking about, okay, where's this team land in the Western Conference? Oh, they're probably a six, seven, or an eight. Remember that conversation at the start of the year? I, and I, I was just talking about the Western Conference, so that was ignoring the, the, the Bucks of the world, the 76ers of the world, the Nets of the world. You know, that was simply looking at the Western Conference and trying to find a way to make them a playoff team. So, yeah, I definitely would have laughed at you. Right now. They're fourth in the Western Conference, and we're talking about them being a top-10 team in the league overall. But it's well-deserved, though. I mean, well, they're, argue, they're playing fight great me on basketball. that. You know, like, they're, no, they're, they're, they're playing they're, they're, well. The only argument that I think somebody could come up with is, oh, this is just a, this is just a great start for this basketball team. They're playing well, but they'll fade, right? They don't have the, they don't have the, the legs to keep up with those other teams. I don't see it. No. CP3 is playing some of his best basketball. 15 games in the end. The first 15 games in the NBA season, 15 to 20, you get some crazy, right? Like the Clippers losing by 50. Like, you, you know, you, you get some crazy mixed in there. Sometimes you can start start hot and it's a mirage and you're not that basketball team. But the yeah, Phoenix Suns have played better basketball past that point than they were early. I mean, they started the year, you know, nice, obviously winning five out of six, and that, that made you feel good. But then you had that stretch where, you know, you lost five out of six. You know, from from January 11th to January 27th, we were asking ourselves, okay, is, is there something wrong with this basketball team? Now you had, within that stretch, you had three overtime losses, and that's why I told people. And they had that COVID pause. Right, and that's right? why because I told people don't tracing, panic. They were Correct. On the sidelines. Right, so since then, They've actually played better basketball. You know, again, you're always, best basketball they yeah, you're always yeah. going to get crazy on the early portion of the schedule in the NBA. First 15 to 20 games. Hard to tell who anybody truly is. Beyond that, you start to get an idea and uh, of who teams are, and teams start to create their identities. The Phoenix Suns are, 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 are doing so, and they're doing so in a positive light, where usually they do start to fade at this point. Um, th- th- no, this, this is who this team is. They play great defensively. I mean, you held the Magic to 90 points last night. Uh, you know, you held the Celtics to 91. You held the Pistons to 92. I mean, this is a team that plays really solid basketball on the defensive side of the floor. Um, and then on on given nights, their stars can can light up the offensive side as well. Booker always has that capability. We've seen Chris Paul drop 30 in a handful of 20s. And uh, we talk about Mikel Bridges, who's finding you know more consistent offense and finding his way into the 20s more consistently as well. So, no, this is a good basketball team. You know, I I didn't expect to be sitting here after 26 games, a third of the way into the season, and be saying the Phoenix Suns are a top-10 team. I didn't expect that at all, but I I think it's it's legitimate. I have no heartburn with that list. And maybe people want to call me a homer. I I really don't believe I'm being one. I I think they've this is a team that's constructed well. There's depth that they can rely on off the bench. Um, It's a a solid team. They're still second tier in the Western Conference, but – it's a solid basketball team. They're the, but they're the top of that second tier. I agree. And, and we talked about it yesterday on the Sunday show that with the conversation now, and especially I think if they beat Brooklyn uh, tomorrow night, would be what is keeping this team from being at the bottom of that first tier? What is stopping this team from jumping into that first tier? And you and I both think it, it is the continued development of DeAndre Ayton, right? He has That's made the easiest steps path. this year in a big way. Yeah. But, but if he takes an even bigger step at some point during this year, then yeah, then then you can very easily start to put them in that conversation because they then have when you look at when you look at LA, it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. 
when you look at the Clippers, it is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The Suns, they don't have two stars that I think reach the level of those two guys, so they need three stars to be able to compete. And they have Chris Paul, and they have Devin Booker. If DeAndre Ayton makes that leap, and they have those three guys to go to battle with the, the, the guys I just mentioned for the both, both LA teams and, and, and Utah as well, then we've had, we have a conversation. Because then the discussion can be had of maybe the Suns could could beat one of these teams in a seven game series if yeah. they com- if they have the complete picture. He still has a long way to go, DeAndre Ayton. That he is. does, but that's the missing piece. It is. It was the easiest piece, right? Because you're not having to make a move at the trade deadline and push your you know chips into the center of the table and risk blowing up some of the chemistry this team has created. Um, that's the easiest piece, you know. But he, it's still at times he disappears. You know, at times the aggressiveness that we saw for that five game stretch isn't there, you know, and and that's still the frustration part. Listen, I've I, I've come to grips with who he is as a basketball player. This is who he is. He's going to be a double digit guy. He's going to be a twelve to fifteen offensively. He's going to be a ten to fifteen rebound guy. It's who he is. Doesn't mean he's a bust. Not a bust. He's just not going to be, you know, in, in an MVP conversation. He's not going to be a guy that dominates on a consistent basis. It's it's who he is. Uh, if he can get to a point where he can be dominant on any given night and he gives the Suns another outlet offensively, another way of attacking you offensively, um, then, then yeah, they can make that next step. He's He's got a long way to go, you know, and I don't know if he'll ever get there, to be perfectly honest, but that if we're going to talk about the Suns making that step into that, that upper tier of the Western Conference, then, yeah, they need, they need some – they need a third. They need a dominant third. Right now it's not on the roster – they got a lot of great role players on this roster. Maybe it's Mikael Bridges. Uh, do you ever see him being a dominant type guy? I I think the answer right now would be no. But what I've seen from Mikael Bridges this year has thoroughly impressed me. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've talked about it a few times. If you look at Mikael Bridges' growth from the last few years, he's up it's the five. the third leading scorer on this team right he now. He is, and he's up five points per night uh, scoring-wise. He went from 9.5 in his previous two years to 14.3. He's you know he's getting more minutes too, so you got to factor that in. But you know he's he's getting more two more rebounds per night. His shooting percentage is up by three points. His three point shooting percentage is up by four points. Um, he's you know he's he's improved across the board defensively. We knew he was going to be a three and D kind of guy when he, when the Suns drafted him. Defensively, I think he's been outstanding as well. So I mean he's going to be he's going to be a a big piece of what this basketball team is and where they go. But I don't know if he's ever going to be considered that big three. You know what I mean? That dominant player where you go into a game and you fear him. Uh, you know, for instance, the Nets are coming in. There's three legitimate players on that basketball team, when healthy, that can literally take over the game at yeah. any time and can attack you in different ways at any time. That's a big three. That's what's missing. If we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns being able to find their way into that upper tier of the Western Conference, they have to have more, they have to have more outs, if you will. If I'm coming at you defensively like this, how can you attack me? If you're if you're one dimensional, if you're two dimensional, okay, I can deal with that. But if you can come at me with more ways than 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 you know I can handle, then yeah, now you're a problem. Suns aren't a problem to that extent yet. If that if that makes sense, I I tend to agree. Um, but I think there there is there are players on the roster that can help them bridge that gap. So to your point, they don't have to kind of put see all the chips in there. the middle and bl- see what you blow, did there. blow up blow up what they currently have to bridge um, that. I see what you did there. Yeah, no, I, 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 I chose my words very carefully there. Thank you very much. I will have you know one quick thing on this story before we get out of here. Based on this story, if the Phoenix Suns played in the in the Eastern Conference, it would be the second best team. 
Because there's only one Eastern Conference team well, in front of them in in these standings. The, the two teams that four were of the top five teams are Western Conference. And the, but well, you want to you want to put Brooklyn and Milwaukee. That's yeah. not what this list did. The Sean Crespin rankum of the NBA looks a little different, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this ESPN list, which by the way, this is the week nine of their power rankings. So this is this is not like week four, right? I mean, we, we're at a good we're at a good chunk of the season to where I think that you can put some stock in, into this and say, hey, the Phoenix Suns are playing playing some good basketball. Everybody's starting to take notice of it, and they are viewed in the, in that upper echelon uh, of NBA teams. Still a little bit behind those teams in the Western Conference, but they are they are they're knocking on the door. Uh, that's the way I'll phrase it. They're knocking on the door. They're trying to get invited into the club, uh, but uh, not invited in yet. That is going to do it for us here on the Monday edition of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. You can always follow the show on Twitter at Noble underscore podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio. You can follow Sean on Twitter at screspin02. I mean, listen, the guy's 3-1 and one when he fills in for the Sun Devil Radio Network. Three Why would you want to follow the guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, you kidding me? That's worth uh, follow. F- follow, rate, subscribe wherever you get uh, your podcasts. We greatly do appreciate it. What do you got, Sean? Did I tell you about the 7,111 vehicles that are available at Noble.com? 7,111 vehicles available at Noble.com, and they'll bring any of those 7,111, any one of them, to your front door to test drive if you'd like with the Noble Express option. Noble.com, you know it's a name you can trust, and now it's even easier to get the world-class service and low prices that can't be beat from Earnhardt Auto Centers. Noble.com, Noble Express option, 1951. That's how long they've been a part of the Valley and a name you can trust. No hurt, noble.com, Earnhardt Auto Centers, that ain't noble. We'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the show. Everybody have a great start to your week.